Good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship and praise you this evening. Lord, we ask that your presence would be in our presence, and Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us exactly what we need to hear tonight, I pray. Lord, we do thank you again for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, how great our joy, let's see, page 218, page echoes in that song. I wasn't sure whether to do them or not. <laughs> but uh, that's a good song of joy for the Christmas season. Okay, let's sing, an, sing a good old song of the church, 459. Leaning on the everlasting arms.
Let's have some fellowship time. Good evening. Hope everybody's had a good week this week, and uh, I know I have. Looking forward to uh, here the next week. We're going. Our family's going on vacation, and Brother Greg will be preaching on uh, Wednesday evenings, and then uh, Brother Danny's going to be preaching uh, the following Sunday, I believe it is. And uh, Brother Bobby will be here this Sunday, so you pray for him as they travel. They're going to be at, uh, staying in Chazzy's place. And so you pray for them as they travel. I hope and pray that you've had a blessed week already. And uh, I got to thinking, last week we preached on uh, a hope to all generations. Well, this week we're going to look at the fact that uh, uh, we have a reason to rejoice. Brother Duke didn't know what I was preaching on, but both songs had joy in it. And then both, uh, both songs were talking about rejoicing. 
And uh, I started thinking about, man, that's the way the Lord works things out. And, uh, but have you ever noticed at Christmas time, uh, a lot of the songs have joy in them or rejoice? And uh, there's a reason behind that, I believe, but, uh, because I believe Christmas brings joy to people's hearts. It should, at least, for the Christian. And, uh, you know, you think about O Holy Night. Uh, it says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Heart the herald angels sing, joyful all ye nations rise. And uh, throughout all, uh, most of the Christmas songs have joy or rejoicing in them. One of the probably the most well-known is Joy to the World. And um, that, that, that carol was uh, probably the most notable one, but it was originally written for the coming of our Lord. But it, has, it rang among uh, Christians and became a Christian, uh, Christmas song about his birth. Uh, but anyways, uh, Christ's arrival on earth was at a very dark and dreary time for the Israelites. I mean, if you think about what had happened, um, they, a lot of them probably thought that God had forgotten about them. But uh, he had been orchestrating his plan all along. God knew what was going on. It didn't catch him by surprise. And at Christmas, perhaps, like no other time, we are reminded that no matter what's going on in our lives, as Christians, we should, we should have joy. We should have joy. And tonight, we're going to preach a message, we have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to rejoice. You've heard me say this probably many times, and I'm going to continue to say it, but I think Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world. I mean, there should, I mean we have... Uh, we have so much, um, you know, to look forward to, number one, but we have, we've been blessed. Folks, if all we had, you've heard me say this many times, if all we had is our salvation, we've been blessed. And uh, just the fact that we don't have to spend eternity in hell, and uh, I mean, we've been greatly blessed. And uh, so I got to thinking about uh, being joyful and, and having a reason to rejoice this Christmas season. In Psalm 35, verse 9, it says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in his salvation. I was looking through, there was probably 70 psalms that had rejoice in it. I mean, there was a lot of joy having to do with our joy. And uh, it, I believe throughout the book of Psalms, it, it's, I read those to five a day to bring joy to my heart. And I believe uh, um, that's what it's all about there in Psalms. And there in Psalm 16:11 says, Thou shalt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Think about that. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Folks are looking for pleasure and joy in all the wrong places. I mean, you, uh, in the world that we're living in, people are looking for it in, in drugs and, and um, you know, entertainment and money. Uh, but can I tell you that that joy is not lasting. It might be a, uh, a temporary happiness, if you will. The Bible says there's, there's uh, um, pleasure and sin for a season. Uh, but the thing of it is about joy, it should be in the Christian, it should be everlasting. It should be a, a joy that never ceases. Now, we may not be happy, but we can still have our joy um, nothing should be able to take that away. I was talking to my sister today, and she was down in the dumps and just all sad and upset about some things going on. And I, I told her, I said, I said, you can't allow people or situations to dictate your joy. 
You ought to be, you ought to, you ought to uh, be joyful all the time. Now, she, I don't believe, is a Christian, but I'm just trying to uh, tell her that I have joy in my heart no matter what's going on in my life. God's still good, and uh, I have a lot to be joyful about. The Bible says in Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's a, you know, I, what I see in this, that verse right there, it's a command. God tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when things are going our way or when we, uh, are, are, we got money in our pocket or uh, things are, you know, you know gr- going great. It's rejoice in the Lord always. God tells us to rejoice in Him. And it wasn't enough that He said rejoice in the Lord always, but He said it again. And again, I say rejoice. So we're to be, Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world. Christmas is about declaring that there is joy to be found because Jesus, whose name means Emmanuel, God with us, as Christians, God is with us. We have the, the Holy Spirit living and abiding with the Christian. That should bring joy to our souls. That should bring joy to our hearts. You've heard me say it again. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. And I want to give you three thoughts as why we should have so much joy and why we have a reason to uh, rejoice. Number one, there's joy because of his, his providence. You know, you think about this, and we look at the Christmas story. I want to look at that again this, this evening. But Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. The word those days are mentioned in Luke 2, 1. Uh, those days were challenging days to the Jewish people, to the Israelites. This was a ta- challenging time. Rome, the greatest uh, military power in the world, had conquered and occupied Israel. Now they're un- under Roman rule, and they they're have to, and not only that, but uh, they had to obey Caesar's order to pay taxes. Now, for Joseph and Mary, this was especially hard, and it's especially hard to have joy considering the fact they had to go a 90-mile trip. By They didn't have cars back then. Uh, they had to walk a 90-mile trip from, uh, from where they were uh, to, go, to get to Bethlehem, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. If you look it up on the map, that's what it is. And uh, the whole purpose was to pay taxes. And while now, if that wasn't enough, as you've seen our uh, back to Bethlehem, the fact that she was in her third trimester of pregnancy. I mean, this was, this was a tough time for them. Uh, but can I tell you that God was in charge? God knew exactly what was going on. Sometimes we think, well, why would God do this? Why would God have them travel 90 miles? She's in her third trimester. Why would God do this? Well, God originates history. God originates, regardless whether you think history is exciting or not, what is certain is God is the author of the story of mankind. He's the originator of it. Not only did he create the world and everything in it in Genesis 1-1, but hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God wrote the story in history. God told how he was going to come. Uh, as you, If you remember the... Uh, the part in the back to Bethlehem, over 300 prophecies was fulfilled uh, from the Old Testament when Jesus Christ came to this earth. 
you know, through his death, his, his life, and his resurrection. The Bible says in Isaiah 7:14, just for instance, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, I, they've done these uh, statistics and math wizards have done these things. How possible could it be for a person to, be, uh, to fulfill all these prophecies? And it's, it's, if it, it's saying impossible is not even enough way of saying it. I mean, it is physically, uh, all the impossibilities are come in order whenever you think about how he fulfilled every single one of these. It was out of his control, so, so to say. It was out of his control being born of a virgin, uh, being born at that certain time in a certain place, and all these things. But God's the one that originated it all. You see, uh, God didn't just prophesy the birth, uh, the birth of his son. He also made it come to pass. You know, in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached in, to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. But I, not only does God originate history, but God orchestrates history. You know, through his divine power, God uh, designed it all and planned it all. History, one theologian said, is his story. You know, that's very true. God's the author of history. He's the one that orchestrates it. Isn't it wonderful to know that there, is, there was a script written way before our time? God knew exactly what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. And some there's different thoughts on this, but I believe that God... For no, he knew what was going to happen. He, he, uh, he. Of course, God has no present. Uh, God's not present, past, or future. He's all the above, and so we got to understand that that God knows what's going to happen tomorrow before it even happens. God knows that. You see, but uh, uh, God had a plan and He fulfilled it according to His will. And Jeremiah one twelve says, "Then saith the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I have hastened my word to perform it." God's going to perform his word. Caesar Augustus was the most powerful ruler in the known world at that time. And his empire was vast and he ruled it with an iron fist. And using his great army to keep, the, keep order and, and to maintain the roads and, uh, and all the other things he had to do. When Caesar issued the order uh, that the uh, entire Roman uh, world had to pay taxes, no doubt he did this for a couple reasons. But... Uh, uh, one of the reasons was for the benefit of the empire, but also to pad his own pockets. But know this. I mean, you think about, well, all, this things, all these things were happening. I'm trying to get you to get a picture here. Solomon said this. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth whithersoever he will. Just because Caesar Augustus was the king, God orchestrated it all. God had it all, his hand in all that. You say, what do you mean by this? Well, Joseph and Mary had to be in Bethlehem in order to fulfill a 700-year prophecy. 700 years before this, there in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem uh, Ephrathah, thou, that, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been uh, from old, from everlasting. 
Nothing that happens in this world can ever override God's pre-written timetable of biblical prophecies. No, it didn't matter what. God knew that, that Caesar was going to do this. God knew that all these things were going to happen. Think about the distance from Nazareth to Jerusalem and of Mary's uh, expectant condition that she was in. Why would God give them such a problem? They already had all this burden to bear. Why would God allow that to happen? I believe that God puts things on us because it happens to us too. Uh, I hear people all the time tell me, you know, I just, when it rains, it pours, right? And we think, why in the world, what in the world's happening? But I, I think when things happen in our lives, when it seems like we're all overwhelmed, you know what it does? For the Christian, it ought to draw us closer to him saying, I can't do it, God, I need your help. I need your help. I need, I, and it should, for the Christian, it should keep our eyes to him, looking to him, saying, God, you're going to have to come through because I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how much more I can bear, God. And I believe that's what was happening in this situation, that God helped them through a difficult situation. God was with them the whole time. The Bible says this in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. God wasn't sitting on his throne in heaven thinking, well, let's see, how can I make Joseph and Mary suffer a little bit more? Okay, let's, let's make him have to travel a 90-mile piece and, and make him suffer while she's pregnant. Let's do that. That's not what God was doing. God was putting that in their life to let them seek him and look to him for their comfort and their joy. But then I want you to notice there's also joy in his presence. In Luke 2, 6, it says, And it, so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, think about this. And the time that they were, I mean, they're overwhelmed. They're, they're having to pay their taxes. They're having to travel all this way. They're having, uh, he had to be born in a stable because there was no room for them in the end. And here, God is born. His presence is right there. You know what? I believe, I I wasn't there, but I believe that there was joy in that stable that day. I believe that there was joy that came over Mary and Joseph. I believe they were excited. Can I tell you, there's joy in God's presence. For the Christian, we ought to be the most happy, the most joyful people on the earth. Why? Because we have the presence of Almighty God living and abiding in our hearts. We ought to be joyful. God could have given us anything, but He knew what we needed the most. And so on a long prophesied night in a stable, he gave us his presence. His presence. There's a story told of a Persian king. You may have heard this before. I think I've even used it. But he was wise and he was a good king. But he wanted to know his people better. He wanted to rule his people better. So what he did is he got on clothes as a peasant and as a worker and and uh, trying not to be identified, he went to the lower class people, the low income people, and he went to each one of their homes. And, and one, one man that he was uh, st- visiting, he visited the home of the poorest people in the kingdom. And one of the men he visited, uh, very poor, he lived in a, a cellar. And the king asked him if he might stay the night with him. And uh, the peasant man, he says, yeah, he says, sure. And he shared his food with him and he shared 
his, you know, his place with him. And, and the king later returned to visit the man against, uh, to show his true identity. King thinking that, okay, this man's going to seek for some money. He's going to seek for maybe higher class or something. He's going to seek something from him. The man says, I just want to thank you for your presence. Thank you for coming and, and visiting me, spending time with me in this dark and dreary place. And it brought gladness to his heart. He said, I cannot believe the king came and visited me. Well, to others, you know, you may have thought they wanted rich gifts or they wanted, you know, prestige or stuff like that. But this man, all he wanted was the presence of his king. You see, I think about this and I thought, I think about what do we need most in our lives? Do we need money? Do we need materialistic things? No, what we need is God's presence in our life. That's what we need. I thought about this. The spot was determined. You know, remember that God had foretold not only the time, but also the place that Jesus would be born. Matthew says, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. There may have been many reasons why God would have picked the town of Bethlehem, but one is quite interesting. The word Bethlehem, does anybody know what that word means? House of bread. And Jesus is the bread of life. I mean, God has, it's wonderful when you think about how God has orchestrated all this together. God foreordained all these things. There in John 6.32 it says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread of, from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then saith they unto him, Lord, evermore, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. See, the bread of life was born in the house of bread. So we would never be spiritually hungry again. Think about that. God is so good to us. So the spot was determined, but also the Savior was delivered. It is tradition in many cultures to celebrate the birth of a baby by giving gifts and, and food and just different things that, to the family. You know, you go to the hospital and there's gift shops are full of uh, gifts and stuffed animals and things to give to the uh, the mother and, and uh, to the child that's being born. Mary had none of these. She wasn't, uh, Jesus didn't have a, uh, uh, you know, a real nice hospital and sterile place to be born. He was born in a lowly manger. And uh, uh, the gauze that she was, she wrapped Jesus up in swaddling clothes. And uh, uh, the swaddling clothes, that, that wasn't for birth. Swaddling clothes was for death. And it kind of pictures this, that Jesus was born to die. His whole purpose for coming to the earth was not to just live because he wanted to live on earth. And, uh, but it was his whole purpose for coming to the earth was to die. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 9, it was manifest. Uh, and this was manifest the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. 
See, after wrapping him up, Mary laid him in a manger, which typically uh, we think of a manger as a wooden contraption with, with hay spilling over it. And the stable like a barn, like a building, you know. But in reality, the stable was more closely resembled a cold, damp, dark cave. And uh, that was, it was hewn out of a stone. That was most likely what the stable was back then. And the eternal Son of God was born in a cave and laid in a manger surrounded by animals because there was no place, no room for them in the end. You think about that, no room for them in the end. And some people today, are, they're still, they still don't have room for God. You know, they don't have room for the materialistic man has no room for them. For some people, that life is all about how much they can get, how much... Uh, stuff they can possess and and how much in the shortest amount of time possible they want you've heard the expression he that has the most toys wins well people like this would be wise to remember why Christ came in the first place to bring eternal security not uh, investments and uh, um, the Bible says for what shall profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul so the materialistic man needs to get his mind wrapped around the fact that God didn't come to give uh, riches, but he came to give eternal salvation. The intellectual man has no room for the Lord. and Some people claim they are too smart to buy into Christianity. They pity Christians having believed that Christianity is a crutch and something that they need to, to get through life. But these who have become so smart in their own eyes, they reject the, ma- the babe in the manger as the son of God. Are reality In reality, they're fools heading to a devil's hell. You know, there's, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. You know, the religious people, they say there's no room. Why? Because they're filling their life with all these religious good acts and good deeds in order to get their way to heaven. But can I tell you, the fact of the matter is, is Christ is sufficient. He's enough. John 1 says this, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as gave, received him gave them power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. You know, these things, listen, just because people are filling their lives with so much stuff, with religion, they're filling their stuff with materials, they're filling their lives with intellectual, uh, those things are, have rooted out the Lord, and there, there's no room for him in the end. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We who know Jesus as personal Savior can have continual joy. Why? Because of his, his provision, or his uh, pro- providence, his presence, but finally, his provision. God provided. What was provided for millions and millions of people that day in that stable? God, salvation. For millions of people, he gave himself. It was a personal presentation 
This is not some mystical appearance of God coming down. Some, some people think of uh, God. The thing of it is, is God was, Jesus Christ was 100% man. He was born, he was human, but he was also 100% God. That's hard for me to understand. I can't, I can't comprehend that, but I believe it. The fact that he was 100% God, he was 100% man. Romans 1.3 says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. The Bible tells us that he was who eternally pre-existing took the form of flesh and blood. He took on a robe of flesh and blood for us. The Bible says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the, as a, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus put on that physical body. Why? Because to give us the greatest gift that has ever been given. As we think of, we come into this, this uh, season, this, this Christmas time, let us not get caught up in all the materialistic things and even the religious things of Christmas, but let's get caught up in the fact that Jesus is Savior. He was born for us. He was born to pro provide salvation to all mankind. Help us not get so uh, overwhelmed and, and not have room for the Lord in our lives. Can I tell you, it's very, it's, it's, uh, it can happen. Even for a good Christian, it can happen in our lives that we have so much going on. We're so busy. How many has more than one Christmas to go to this, this year? I'm the only one. Wow, that's nice. That's pretty nice. There's most people, they have three, four, five Christmases they go to. I've got five that I go to every year. And, uh, you know, and then you got your personal one. Then you got your, uh, my mom has one. She wants to have one. My dad wants to have one. And uh, my grandma wants to have one. And Christy's family wants to have one. And it's like we get so busy with the things. We need to make sure we don't get, we have enough room for the Lord. Remember, what gives us joy? Not all these things, which I, I, I be the first to admit, I enjoy my family being here. I enjoy spending time with family at Christmas. Now, you heard what the best lights at Christmas time are, right? It's the tail lights of your in-laws leaving. That's what some of you will get to that later. But... uh you know, the, the thing of it is, is that, you know, we enjoy these things, and that's okay. Let us not forget about what the true reason that we have our joy. It's not just because of our family, which that's a great thing. It's not just because we get gifts or we give gifts. Those are things are fine, too, but let us not forget the joy that is in us because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians ought to be rejoiceful. They ought to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because of his presence. Because of his provision. Because of his providence. God has provided the Lord Jesus Christ for the sins of the whole world. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to encourage you just... We have a reason to rejoice. And when I, I think about Christians this time of the year, 
you'll see a joy at the first part of the month of December. I mean, people get all excited about the things that are going on. They're getting ready, you know, they're getting ready to give gifts to their children and to their grandchildren. And, oh, man, it's so joyful. But then there's a kink that comes in. Then January comes and all that stuff is over. And I see that they call it the winter blues. I see what comes over many Christians today is that after all those things have departed, all your family's gone and all this stuff, and then the credit card bills come in and you get depressed and discouraged. I want to encourage you. We have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to rejoice because Jesus Christ came to this earth ultimately to die for our sins. I want to encourage you just to remember the Lord this this Christmas season. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you how you've challenged me to keep things in a proper perspective, Lord, to give you the priority of my life. Lord, we rejoice in the fact that we spend time with family and we were able to do things and uh, to enjoy days off of work and just just to enjoy uh, things that you have provided for us. But help us, Lord, and help me, Lord, to remember uh, you're the true reason that we have joy and uh, that we can rejoice and be happy because of what you have done, what you have provided, because of your presence in our life. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to be in softly playing. I encourage you, if you just want to find a place at the altar and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Thank you. You've given me a reason to rejoice. I have joy because of your presence in my life. I have joy because of your provisions. I have joy because of your providence. Knowing that nothing will happen to me that you didn't already know about. Play through one more time. As you're at at your seat praying. you to continue to pray for um, continue to pray for the gay family is there uh, no what it was the gay family wasn't it that was sick yeah the daughters were uh, the ladies were sick so you remember them uh, okay all three of them were here okay I thought you were you said the okay so continue praying for the gay family um, Pray for Brother Bobby as he's traveling in, and he and Miss Glenda. Pray for um, Brother Ed's brother, um, Buck. Um, he was um, messing around with his shoe, with I don't know if it was a shoehorn or what it was, but it came back and hit him in the eye and uh, put out his, messed up his eye. He can't see out of one eye, and then this eye that he hit. Uh, knocked his vision out so right now he's blind and uh, so he's went to a couple 
uh, eye doctors, and uh, one doctor said there was nothing they can do. The other doctor says, well, maybe we can figure out something how to do here. And so you just pray for them. They're going through a tough time there. And pray for Buck. And uh, all right, someone else have a prayer request tonight? Yes. Okay. Pray for Miss Evelyn's mom and these test results, and more specifically, that she would just trust the Lord in all of it. All right. Anybody else? Pray for those that are going to be traveling for Christmas and, uh, you know, going to be going out of town and things like that. You remember those folks? Yes, Brother Greg? Yeah, have you have you heard anything about? Because okay, so the test results are in basically, and they'll find out tomorrow. The okay, pray for Carrie, um, brother Greg's brother. Um, I think they found a spot on his was it his lungs or and spot on his lungs, and so uh, they done some test results and. Um, uh, you, you pray for them, uh, whatever the results are, that God would use this. Because um, he's not active in church, is he, or anything like that. So uh, just pray and pray for the whole family there. There's a lot of things going on. And would ask that you'd remember the Hutchison family. Yeah. So he is a Christian and our, okay. 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 All right. Pray for Carrie. And then um, who else did you say, Brother Greg? Your other brother, wasn't it? Pray for Phil and Carrie. All right, anybody? Yeah, pray for David. All right. Miss Melinda, did I see your hand up? No, brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe it was Randy. Okay.
Okay. Okay. Pray for them. All right. Do you know which hospital they took him to? Or? Okay, to the house. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yes, Miss Anna. Was you able to talk to him anymore? No, not Okay. Okay. Anything, anyone else? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, do thank you again for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you that we have, even amongst everything going on in our lives, there are so many trials and troubles, Lord, we can rejoice always in every situation because you're the source of our joy. Lord, we have the, your presence abiding in us. And Lord, we can uh, uh, have that joy. And uh, Lord, help us not to allow situations or people or uh, things to, to uh, get in between us, Lord. And I pray that you would help us look to you this Christmas season uh, for our source of joy and comfort. Lord, I do ask that you would be with these prayer requests. Lord, I think of the gay family as they're recovering from their sickness. Lord, I pray that you would continue to put your hand upon them and, and uh, just help them. Lord, I pray that you'd be with, uh, um, be with uh, Buck, Lord, as he's going through this eye issue. Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, if it be your will, Lord, that the, they'd be able to figure out what's going on and uh, so he can have sight. I know that that's a, a burden on Brother Ed and... Lord, I ask that you would just intervene on uh, on uh, his behalf. Lord, for Miss Evelyn's mom, Lord, as she's uh, having some difficult times, and Lord, I ask that you would just, as uh, she's having some tests done, Lord, I pray that you would help her to, uh, to see you in all this, and Lord, that she would just trust you uh, no matter what the outcome is. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, comfort her as only you can. Lord, I ask that you be with uh, Brother Greg's brothers, Lord, for Phil, as he's got some uh, physical issues. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help him as he's in a lot of pain. And, Lord, I ask that you be with, with uh, Carrie's having some tests, Lord. Uh, Lord, that uh, even through his testimony, he says that uh, you are his Savior. And, Lord, I ask that you would just uh, comfort him uh, no matter what the test results are. I help him to see that you're in control of all these situations. And then for David, Lord, as he's um, away from you, and uh, Lord, he asks that you would just, uh, Lord, that you would intervene in his life, and Lord, that you would draw him close to you. Lord, for uh, Randy, Lord, as the hospices come in, Lord, I pray that you would, um, Lord, that you would meet their needs financially, emotionally. Uh, physically, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, it's probably the last days of his life. And Lord, I pray that you give him good days with the children. And and uh, Lord, I pray, again, pray that we might be a, a source of comfort and help to them. Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, Miss Donna as she's continued to be with her uh, brother-in-law or her brother as she's uh, brother-in-law as she's witnessing to him and he's in rehab. And we thank you for the answered prayer there. And Lord, pray that you continue to work uh in, uh, in his life. Lord, do that. thank you for back to Bethlehem and how uh, things went so well. And uh, Lord, we had a lot of a large response from our community. And 
Uh, Lord, I thank you for that. But Lord, we've done it all to bring you honor and glory. And we pray that you are praised and glorified in all that was said and done. Lord, again, thank you for our church. Lord, I pray that you be with those that are traveling and during Christmas time. Lord, give them safety and bring them back, bring them back to us next appointed time. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and give you a couple announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. If you have offering, you can just go ahead and lay it in the plate tonight. Um, but do want to remind you uh, about some upcoming things. Brother Bobby's going to be here this Sunday. And uh, then also the 24th and the 31st, we'll just have a.m. service, no p.m. service. So mark your calendars for that. All right. I think that's all the announcements. Let's all stand. We'll be closed in a word of prayer. And uh, Brother Ed, sir, would you close us?